What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K. Latest episode of the No Huddle Show, end of spring edition. School is out. Summer is here. We're going on our summer summer break, even though we'll still be writing every day and recording podcasts. So, I mean, we're, we're both going on vacation at some point. Like, we, we do have lives outside of this, but we're, we're still excited to bring you the off-season content. But uh, it, it really... It, we heard it from like 10 different people joking that it felt like the last day of school on the third day minicamp, but it kind of really does because that's the last day we see we're at NovaCare for six weeks until training camp starts. I believe July 24th is the official date. Um, I mean, how was your first, this is your first Eagles minicamp on this beat. What would you think? I mean, it, I imagine there wasn't this level of excitement in Jacksonville during minicamp. Actually, that's the only time that there was excitement. Oh yeah. Cause that's when you're like optimistic still, I guess. Yeah. yeah uh, no, I mean, it, it, I liked it. I liked how it was very, uh, like, everything they did was very deliberate. Like, the drills were extremely deliberate. There was no, like, time to spare. Everybody immediately got to their drills. So I thought that was kind of interesting. In Jacksonville, they don't really throw away the third minicamp practice, but then again, they probably... They pretty much did, yeah. Yeah, you know. Because they they had this really short one and indoors. Right, so, like... This was interesting, and I mean, hey, look, it's mini camp. Like, yeah. if you've seen one mini camp, you've probably seen them all. But it, you know, it was fun. Like, uh, I wish more people were in the locker room. Yeah, yeah so this this is like the time of the year where the the seeds are planted for the guys that you get irrationally attached to for training going into training camp. You know, there's like some we'll get into that, but like this is where you first the first time you see, you know, either a young guy who was on the cusp of making the team but didn't quite make it last year and it's clearly bulked up, or a guy that you've never heard of all of a sudden scores a touchdown like there's all these like because they're getting an opportunity because a lot of the veterans aren't practicing like this is where you kind of see the most even more than a training camp almost where you see some of these guys i'd call it like the disney camp you know what i mean because it's like where are your disney stories like like you said like this is where like the underdog kind of makes his case and kind of builds builds momentum but i mean there was a lot of guys that built momentum and we'll yeah talk about that tonight. yeah yeah for sure um so before we get into like our mini camp recap slash observation slash look ahead there was a little bit of news i mean i guess since the last podcast joe douglas left because we had the carson wentz emergency pod Mm -hmm. and i think later that day joe douglas got hired by the jets as expected it it was kind of like a interesting sequence of events because the texans fired their gm and everybody's like oh no maybe he goes there instead that's a better job and that maybe that like motivated the jets to move faster and give joe like a lot more money and more years or what i don't know like what the negotiate because there's all these reports that like he, they really had a push for him to get that job, and I, I don't know if I believed all those reports. <laughs> it was probably a negotiation tactic because he knew they wanted him, but I, I don't know if I believed that. He's like, I don't want this job. I don't want this job. Okay, I'll take this job. Like I don't think that's <laughs> really right. how he thought. Yeah, I think the, you know, you know, the, he signed on for a long time. What was it five years? Six years? Six years? Six years? And you know, I would assume that if Gase doesn't work out, he will outlive Gase. So. There's that. Um, I think he's the type of guy that looks at a situation and says, hey, this is how I can put my stamp on something. This is how I can improve something as opposed to, wow, this is a terrible spot. You know, he seems like a guy who's very optimistic and very um, forward thinking as opposed to, oh, man, I'm inheriting this roster that just is garbage. He's already gotten to work. I think he's made like four or five you transactions. You a guy within the first, like, ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just know. You know what I mean? It's like marriage. Well, we'll say how we... So we had Carson Wentz's uh, contract press conference on Monday, and we got to speak to Howie Roseman after. 
And one of the things he said to us, like the very last question he was asked was about Joe Douglas because it was mostly about Carson. But um, he he was like, this prepared him for that. Like the Philadelphia media surrounding him whenever we talked to him, like it prepared him for New York. And he's like, he's going to win his press conference. And like the all the reports out of there were like, he was perfect. He said everything he needed to do. He said this, this. And like he said all the things he's been saying to us for the last two years. Well, you and I for the last year or so. And... He he just like ha- he has a plan. He he's a football background. He knows you need to start from the trenches, which has been the Eagles' philosophy before he was here. Mm-hmm. You start from the trenches. You build outward. Well, first quarterback, then trenches. They have their quarterback. They need a lot of offensive line, and their offensive line is bad. He's a lot of work to do. But on the flip side of that, the Eagles uh, yesterday made their announcements of like how they're moving. It, there was kind of assumed that Doug- Douglas would steal some guys from the Eagles staff, the guys that he brought with him from Baltimore. The main one being Annie Weidel, who was his number two. Uh, smartly, the Eagles made the move to keep him around. They promoted him to Joe, Joe Douglas's spot. I think that's really important. He, he, you know, there's a lot of talk about Andrew Barry, but the reality is it's probably better that you have an Andrew Barry and an Andy Weidel as opposed to just an Andrew Barry because I don't think Barry has like the football background that I think they need to head that scouting department. And Weidel learned from Joe Douglas for years. He learned from Ozzie Newsome. Um, he learned from Howie Roseman. Now, like he, he's like a rising guy. So I think that was that was the right move. Yeah, he was big on the uh, pro day trail too. I should say I saw him at literally every pro day I went to. Um, very very smart guy from what everything that I hear. Um, yeah, and, and you know what I think it's interesting. I think maybe you brought it up in, in your post, but having a guy who learned the way Joe Douglas does things makes it a little bit easier for him to adapt to this new role. You know what I mean? He he's the Eagles aren't having to adapt to a new mindset. They're they've got a shared mindset. And I think that that's important because that mindset has worked. You know, don't break what's not I mean don't don't fix what's not broken. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, we'll see how it goes. He was on the practice field the other day. Seemed watch seemed to be watching pretty contently, and you know we'll we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, it's so weird. Like fan bases care about like front office stuff until like until they forget every, about it. Yeah, until everything's solved, <laughs> they'll forget about Joe. They're not gonna forget about Joe Douglas, but they'll forget about Joe Douglas in six months. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about Howie Roseman's new title. I was gonna though. say this is the bigger news was for us. Yeah, where for the last, I mean, since we've been on this beat, we've had a right. I, he, so he's had the title of executive vice president of football operations since Chip Kelly kind of usurped him. Yeah. And, that, and he kept that after Chip Kelly left and he got his job back. But yesterday, he changed it uh, to salary cap wizard. No, I'm just, <laughs> he changed it to uh, was like, like executive vice president slash uh, GM. G- general manager. So we're just going to call him the general manager now. I'm yeah. very happy. I appreciate him doing that for us. It makes it nice because when you do titles, you can say the five GMs. The, you know the top five GMs, and then actually put Howie on there because yeah. he to is quote Game of Thrones titles, titles, titles. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and also to quote Game of Thrones, Howie drinks and knows things when it comes to the trade market, and so I think well he doesn't do them at the same time. I would assume. <laughs> Although there was that story about how he like took a shot in his office after they traded up to get Wentz or whatever, like they traded up to get that pick. He like took a shot in his hey, office to celebrate. <laughs> sometimes you got to live a little. That's my uh, my motto in life. Oh, but, is uh, it? Yeah, yeah, that's your motto. You yeah. got to live a little. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> was that your yearbook quote? No, it was not. It, I didn't get that till after college and became the most boring person ever. Anyway, um, so. What I think is interesting for Howie now moving forward is these moves won't be pushed off 
on another person when they make a genius move. It'll be more of a collective thing because I think Joe Douglas kind of came, you know, he came right after Carson Wentz. So the first year, there weren't a lot of big moves. He picked up Terrence Brooks. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, like I mean, that. He was getting acclimated and all that. Right. The second year, they win the Super Bowl, and it's like... And a lot of it was because of the mo- like right. low-key low moves they made, like Patrick Robinson, LeGarrette Blunt, like Tory Smith, Smith. Yeah, so like, and a lot of those guys had connections to Douglas, so Douglas got a lot of credit, whether it was due or not, you know, there you can speculate. Then last year, it seemed like his pro personnel department did an incredible job with Craven LeBlanc, bringing in, uh, you know, deciding that Michael Bennett was a fit. There, there were moves that they made that they did a really good job with. And so I think now, moving forward, Howie and Andy and all these guys will collaborate. It sounds like a lot of guys got promotions so that they could collaborate in the room. I mean... You know, we always talk about how, how, how he takes care of his own players. He's also taking care of his own front office, which I think is really important moving forward. And there's clearly a lot of talent in there. If you look at all the general managers in the league, whatever you think about Jason Like, whatever you think about Ryan Grigson, those guys got general manager jobs after working under Howie. Tom Heckert got a G, GM job after working with Howie. So Phil Savage worked with Howie. I mean, like, there's so much talent that wants to work in that building and now has worked in that building that I think that'll appeal when the Eagles lose their next big guy. You know what I mean? And so the way to tie Joe Douglas back to minicamp, I I am interested to see once roster cutdowns come, like which guys Joe Douglas, uh, Sheldon Gibson, I would guarantee would be a Jet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, there's going to be, I wonder if that's like factored in the Eagles thought process. Like, can we get this guy through to the practice squad or is Joe Douglas going to steal him from us? Like, I wonder if that'll be like in the back of their mind a little bit. I mean, you don't, you, you keep the best guys. You don't just keep a guy because you're worried somebody else. I mean, maybe you do at the bottom of the roster. Here, give me uh here impromptu game. So I'll give you three guys that I think that he would bring in if they cut him on the bubble. And then you give me three guys. So my three guys would be Sheldon Gibson, Wendell Smallwood. And I think he would love to get his hands on TJ Edwards. I think, like, that would be his That's the kind guy. of guy that he probably p- yeah. pushed to get here, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say Josh Adams. I think if Josh Adams is oh, cut, I think he would yeah. get him. Um, let me think here. Joe Ostman. Yeah. Which, I don't think he'd be a... I mean, I don't know. See, like, that's... Joe Ostman's such a weird guy because his body type does not really fit either defense. He's he like, not a big... It's, so, Bo Wolf of the Athletic did a thing where he asked everyone in the locker room who stood out. Number one was Dallas Goddard, and Joe Osman had like the second most votes out of the entire locker room. Which I mean, he threw Andre. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got athletic. He's got pretty good athleticism. But yeah. but yeah, jo- Joe Osman would be a guy, and so maybe one of the safeties. Like if Trey Sullivan was cut, or if like DeAndre Hall. DeAndre Hall. Yeah, DeAndre yeah. Hall is like a Joe Douglas guy. Yeah, I All mean, right. and they need corner help too. When the Eagles have like yeah, Josh two. Hawkins has looked pretty good at Jeremiah McKinnon. Yeah. Um, there, there's going to be guys that, at the very least, is going to either join the Jets practice squad or get claimed. By, yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah. Gonna ha- I mean, that's Joe Douglas' MO. He gets guys that he has ties to. I mean, if there's a Ravens guy, he's probably going to the Jets now, not the Eagles. Right. I don't know, Andy Weidel, I don't know. Maybe they still do that. <laughs> Maybe we'll we, see. Do we still put the alarm on every time a Ravens guy gets cut? Like, what's our philosophy now? I mean, I think we should write it up every single time. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> We're going to anyway. Let's be yeah. honest. All right. So now let's get into minicamp and going forward. I came up with like 10 questions that kind of sums up everything we could need to talk about. Sure. Uh, some of them are fun, some of them are more serious. But uh, to start off, like just coming out of minicamp, who do you view as 
Number one, this year's Paul Turner as, you know, the guy that everybody gets irrationally attached to. the not Brown guy? The, the guy who everybody gets irrationally attached to. Either he makes the team or he doesn't, and he never really, like, actually amounts to much here. And then who's this year's Corey Clement, who's, like, the opposite, has all the hype, and then lives up to it? Um, I would say that the guy that everybody is going to fall in love with, but, like, is probably not going to make the roster or do anything, is Joe Osman. I think Osman's hmm. the guy that... Is he's there's a lot of Stephen Means to him, you know what I mean? Like he's a guy that hard worker, will, teammates love him. Really keeps his head down, just works. He'll have great practices, but once you get into the preseason, you know, yeah, maybe he'll do stuff, but he's doing it when, against when he's getting blocked against like Hall of Fame tackles and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like he, he, during the preseason, he'll be going up against guys that are going to work at Verizon Wireless and true. So and, so he might still look good in the preseason. Yeah, though. and all state, you know what I mean? So it's like. <laughs> That's to me, I, I think is is the really the key to evaluating him. And then um, the guy that will actually do something, I think, is Boston Scott. Hmm. I mean, I think Boston Scott, as a returner, appeals to the Eagles. Uh, I think his return status was a little oversold when they brought yeah. him in. He really wasn't he didn't really do that much for them last year. Well, but also he wasn't really that prolific of a yeah, returner yeah. in college. So I'm saying he didn't really show that much either. Like, but although he is the leader in the clubhouse still, right? I, I, I like what he does with his hands. If that sounds weird, I'm sorry. He's a really, <laughs> he's been a very, very, very consistent receiver. And I think, you know, you look at it, let's say Miles Sanders gets injured or Corey Clement gets injured, I think Boston Scott can fill that role. I just think Wendell Smallwood constantly falls off a cliff during this time of year and everybody just expects him to not make the team. And you never know. I mean, like, they could keep five running backs, but I just, like, I think it's time, man. Like, if you if you don't... Have a good group of four guys and go with it. Right, yeah. I mean, it's time. I had for Paul Turner... Uh, Mark and Mich- Michelle. I think that's Sonny, Sonny Michelle's brother. I, mm-hmm. I think that's how you pronounce Michelle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. Uh, American Heritage represents. He's kind of he was kind of like the the breakout in quotes star of uh, minicamp. Like he, I, I calculated from the four OTAs and three minicamps we saw, he had the second most targets on the team behind Dallas Goddard, and a lot of it was from Carson Wentz too, which says a lot. It means they like him. Doug Peterson even admitted he didn't really know much about him before they signed him. Uh, he's fast. Uh, he was like a really good in the CFL. He was more productive in the CFL than college, where he didn't really produce that much at UMass, actually. But he, like, I he's a guy that already fans have kind of attached themselves to. He had a great quote about Carson Wentz, like he's he's feeding into the fan base. He's the under the radar DeAndre Carter type guy. Um, I could see him making the team and then maybe getting caught a few weeks later, kind of thing. Like he kind of feels like one of those kind of guys. Uh, and then the Corey Clement one, I would say TJ Edwards. If he can make the team, because it's gonna be tough with that linebacker group. I just that, that's that's the yeah. that's the difficult. Like I even my fifty three man projection, I didn't have him. But if he can make the team, uh, I think he's good enough to move up the depth chart pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's he's facing like I I tried I tried and I tried to to get six linebackers in my fifty three man. Yeah. You have to really like make things happen that probably won't in order for that to work. The only way I see them. So, I think a lot of people make competitions about the general position, but that's not really necessarily how teams and coaches think. Well, they, they just want to keep the best guys. Right, they want to keep the best guys. So, it could be Trayvon Hester versus TJ Edwards versus yeah. Josh Hawkins versus 
DeAndre Hall. Yeah, not versus not TJ Edwards versus Paul Warlow necessarily. Right. Yeah. So it's that's one of those things that um to me I'm interested in seeing who's the guy that like is transcendent of his position. Yeah, like we have to keep this guy even though we have six corners, like that kind of thing, yeah. Like Josh Perkins is a guy on offense to me who I think could coach keep, is really like him. I think yeah. I, who I think could keep a six wide receiver or a fifth running back off the roster. Um, offensive line wise, how do you feel about? You know, you're asking yourself, how do you feel about the depth? But do you want to keep one guy for the future? Your Matt Pryor of the year, where you you're, you know you're not going to play him. He's the 53rd guy on the roster, but you can't risk not having him because you got Jason Kelsey who could retire at any point in the next two years. You've got Kendrick Jason Brooks. Peters leaving probably after this year. Lane Johnson's a suspension away from like a ban for a season. Brandon Brooks coming off an Achilles. Isaac Samalu. Well, he was good last year, was not great, and you could always upgrade. I mean, that's worth asking. And I think a guy who's really improved his stock is Jordan Melata. Because, you know, they've I mean, he's had his moments of up and downs in the in the offseason program, but they have not put Matt Pryor out there at right tackle above him at all. Yeah. So I think that's an it's also kind of a bad sign for Matt Pryor, the guy who everybody thought was the heir apparent to Brandon Brooks, has not really done anything, has been a second team right guard when hello, you know, Hal Vitae is playing right guard and you know, I mean he's never played it before. So I just think it's all interesting. Yeah. Alright, the next one I got is so who's a player that is like for sure gonna make the roster that also you think helped himself the most and then also, who's a player who's fighting for a roster spot who you think helped himself the most. So it's like two different levels of players. Like the guys that you know for sure is going to be there and he helped himself and the guy who may not be here but also helped himself. So the answer to your first question, the guy who's going to make the roster and who helped himself is Josh Sweat. Hmm. That guy is super athletic. Uh, Doug Peterson went out of his way to say he's in a really good spot. Um, or a really good place. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to upset NBC. But... Uh, He's a guy that just is so dynamic as a talent. I mean, you could see it in his college tape. I was at his pro day, and he was running linebacker sprints that made him look like a corner. Yeah, he's always had the physical athletic stuff. Yeah. He just needs to put the football stuff together. Yeah, he's ridiculous. And he was so misused at FSU, kind of like uh, Anthony Ciccolo. At, if you know anything about him, uh, when he was at Miami, he, they, he was a outside defensive end, and they made him gain weight for a 3-4, made him a, a 5 technique, and he basically just, like, Imploded, and now he's a, li- a rush linebacker for the Steelers, and looks great. Uh, Josh Sweat's kind of in that same mold. Um, I think he's going to be a very good fourth defensive end. I would not be shocked by the end of the year if he takes snaps over Benny Curry. Um, they like him, and he's got a lot of potential. He's like the perfect Jim Schwartz defensive end. He's lanky. He knows what he's doing. He's got good reach. Uh, not to dwell on him too much, but I, I he's he's also extremely motivated. That guy uh, does not want to talk to media. He wants to just yeah, focus he, on he football. Bolt, he bolts out of the locker room every yeah, time we're coming in. He spoke with me uh, on fr- on Thursday, but he just wanted it to be us. <laughs> so I I walked with him, but he is very motivated. Um, the guy who is fighting for a roster spot that I think helped improve his spot is the guy that you mentioned earlier, is Mark and Michelle. I think he 
has shown. I mean, he went from being a zero to whatever he is now. Yeah, yeah, he looks like a guy who could eventually take, could eventually be a number two slot guy because they don't really have that defined like a backup and, guy. Yeah. They don't have that really defined backup for Nelson Aguilar, and I think he played very, very well. Carson Wentz seems to really like targeting yeah, I mean, him. Look how many times he targeted him. Yeah, like being on the quarterbacks like noggin during, yeah. going into training camp That's is a, a good, really oh, yeah, good thing. Sure. He ran a He has wheels too. Yeah, he ran a um we got to talk about this cuz this was nuts. And if you I think if, you're thinking where he was wide open, is that the one you're thinking? Yeah, of? so yeah. he ran he ran a a flag route, like an outside route. Um, it looked like a combo route because he ran it so fast. It seven on seven drills. Yeah, it was right. running on seven on seven drills. He got wide open, caught the ball, shook a defender, and then put on the jets. It was like ran full, by everybody. Yeah. It was almost like he inherited Deshaun Jackson's speed at that moment, and it, it it was really really impressive. I mean, he and Wentz have like a weird chemistry for a, a group of guy, a duo of guys that haven't really never met before. Yeah, I mean, he was hitting him like Deshaun. He was hitting Deshaun da- Jackson. In stride, he was the second best deep threat in camp for sure. And I think I think the Eagles really realized last year that that is so badly needed. The thing is, too, is Deshaun Jackson has only played two full seasons in his career, and so if you need that deep threat yeah. element, you're gonna look for that guy. You know, Sheldon Gibson. You can talk about his deep speed. He caught one pass last year, and it was an impressive pass. Like I was watching, yeah, 40 yards. Yeah, I was watching a replay of it the other day, and he—I mean, it was an incredible catch. They, bar- they barely used him in camp. Yeah, so it's like—I mean, the writing's on the wall, and I think Mark and Michelle is the guy. He can play special teams. He can be a gunner. Um, watch out for him in the return game yeah, too. He's, by he's the been, way, by the way, it's—it should say something that. I think we both agree that if the roster was being built tomorrow, Michelle is more likely to make it than Shelton Gibson. And Shelton Gibson was drafted two years ago like that. And Michelle was both undrafted and in the CFL. So so my theory, and I think I've said this to you before, my theory is they're going to keep six wide receivers and that Ma- uh, Matt Collins and Shelton Gibson are competing for one spot exclusively. It's and just then it's like Michelle and Tompkins. And, yeah, uh, and all those and guys. And Charles Johnson. And, yeah, yeah it, I, call, I call it like the former draft pick, competition and then the high upside competition and i think that that's a smart way of looking at it too because i think um i'm wondering like the way that howie builds rosters by having a guy who's that darren sproles like replacement in boston scott if that gives them the opportunity to maybe sign darren sproles down the road Hmm. um interesting but yeah, that's my thought. So what? What about you? What do you? Guys yeah, think? I had uh, Camus as the guy who's a lock who helped oh, himself absolutely, the most. Yeah, uh, I think we both agree he's. If again, it's if the season was tomorrow because it's early, but he seems pretty locked in as that number two linebacker right now. For sure. I mean, Zach Brown still has to learn the defense. Like that's the X factor there. If he gets back to like the guy he was the last couple of years, then maybe he pushes him. But they usually only play two linebackers most of the time, and I think Camus is the second guy. I think he's ready to like. Doug Peters was interviewed by Dan Pompey from the Athletic. And, like, at one point he was going through the guys that he was most excited about. And Camus was the first one that popped into his head, which I, I, I overread. I, I read too much into stuff like that. But when a coach – the first thing that's on a, a coach's mind is a certain guy. I think that means something. Because I mean, so, oh, you asked me this question and the first thought I had was this guy. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what how much bigger of a role he played. And Bradham's had some injury stuff in his career. He has his hand hurt. It wouldn't be surprising if Camus was the number one linebacker by the end of the year. Yeah, I think to your point, Camus probably the most natural, like most versatile, versatile athlete. For this defense, yeah. 
on defense. Like yeah. he, I mean, he can do everything. I mean, he was a safety before, right? Yeah, he, he convert, was a safety yeah. before. When he came in the league, and he'd only played high school football for like a year. He was a yeah. so- he was a soccer yeah, he's, player. He's so. interesting. And then the guy who fighting for a spot who helped himself, I said Andrew Sandejo. Um, we both. It almost became a running joke at this point that we were just like, yeah, there's no way he makes the team fourth round pick. But I'm not so sure anymore. I still think there's a pot, like a a percentage chance that he gets cut still, or traded or something. But at this point, it feels like like the coaches raved about him without even being asked about him. The position coaches, um, he's been on the first team for the most part. He like clearly knows what he's doing out there. It seems like his teammates like him quite a bit, actually. Yeah, he's he he'd have to have a nuclear training yeah. camp, I think. So that's why I wonder if I know LJ Ford has some like guaranteed money and stuff, but I wonder if he's less of a guarantee to make the team than we originally thought. I, I, so part of me wonders, and, and like I, part of me wonders. Look, Howie's done such a great job with compensatory picks, and it's become such this huge thing within Eagles fandom. Then I'm wondering if we're like really overthinking it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Fourth round pick or a backup is a legit debate. Though. But like, they play the big nickel so often, and this yeah. is a team that literally yells out, "We are competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, we yeah. want to win a Super Bowl." Like, would you rather have? But, but is is having LJ Ford as your fifth linebacker going to be the difference between you winning a Super Bowl or not? Well, see, that I agree with you. That I agree with. But they were so adamant about bringing him in, and if you give any care about Dave Fipp at all. <laughs> that poor man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to ask yourself, do you want poor Paul Rolo there, who I think is a very good player? And uh, He just hasn't been healthy. He just time. hasn't been healthy. He looked good during minicamp. He was yeah. out there. He was running around. Linebacker's I feel like I'm talking spot. about like a dog. Like, he was out there. He was running around. He was just doing his thing. Linebacker's an interesting spot. Um, yes. All right, so then, then the, give me the flip side of that. Of the topic we just had. So who's the roster lock who hurt himself the most? And who's the guy fighting for a roster spot who hurt himself the most? Ooh, the roster lock one's a little tougher. Why don't you go with yours and I'll think. Um, the roster lock who helped uh, hurt himself the most. Um, uh, that is a tough one, actually. I should have came in with an answer. <laughs> um, yeah, you should have. <laughs> uh, it's tough because here for the because they are a roster. Like, a lot of the guys weren't out there. Or, I guess you could say Jalen Mills. Honestly, I know he wasn't. It wasn't based on things we saw on the field, but he hasn't been out there in a long time. And these cornerbacks looked really good. Like all three of the guys, even Cravon, who didn't get as much pub, but he looked pretty good as a backup. But Razul, Avante, especially, who looks like a star, and uh, Sidney Jones looked really good. All of them look like they're better players than Jalen Mills as we sit here right now. In that, in that way, he hurt his stock. That was a cop out answer because he's injured. But I know. I'll, I'll <laughs> give you. First, I'll give you first a, name. I keep thinking. I'll about. give you one. Um, I'd say Clayton Thorson. Uh, I think he's going to make this roster. I don't think you spend a, a fifth one. round pick on a dude without, especially a quarterback. Uh, without knowing, hey, this is going to be a developmental year. He looked bad, like genuinely bad. Yeah. Uh, and it, I will it, say, to be fair, they only he'll hand it off, and then I'll have like one or two throws, and then they'll end the drill. So it's not like an ideal situation, but yeah, he right is the chances he was given not good. But you know, it's like um, co- uh, linebackers coach Ken Flagel says, you've got it with the undrafted linebackers that are some of the most talented undrafted guys they've ever signed. But if they can't pick up the the defense with their limited snaps, they're not going to stick around. Yeah. And I think you know with. Clayton Thorson, um, the ball has not come out accurately, and that's that's the issue to me. You're either an accurate quarterback or you're not. You can improve your accuracy, but 
so far, it it's not been. I mean, he's had a couple of nice throws. I don't want to say like he's completely bombed the offseason program, but he definitely does not look comfortable back there. Yeah, or at least comfortable with his receivers. Uh, that said, he's got a bunch of undrafted free agents blocking for him, yeah. and they're they're really there are factors to consider. And the defense is at an advantage because it's not padded, so they can use their speed and attack. Um, He's a guy that I think uh, kind of hurt his stock. I would even argue that Nate Sudfeld would yeah, be the yeah. other guy that, I mean, the two court. Well, the, the thing, like, Nate, Nate Sudfeld is the number two quarterback, however bad he played anyway. So that's why, like, yes, his stock's down, but his roster, spot, like, viability isn't. I want to get back to Nate Sudfeld after this, this, yeah, this we're, segment. We're going to we're gonna get to him yeah, yeah. in, in, um, in a little bit. So who was your guy that's competing for a roster spot that you thought just completely just nosedived? Well, we, I, I won't elaborate too much because we already talked about it a little bit, but I'd say Shelton Gibson. So he came in on the roster cusp. Like, we thought he had a chance because of his special team stuff. And now, if as we're sitting here, I'd be surprised if he made the team. So I'm going to go with his West Virginia teammate, uh, I know you were Wendell go. Smallwood. Yeah, Wendell. Um, he had, like, a r- really nice couple of plays during the the last true mandatory minicamp practice, but he was, like... Like, Pumphreys per- looked better than him. Yeah, like he was unnoticeable during the other six practices we watched. And so I think with him, I came into this thinking he he would have some trade value. Like maybe you can get a seventh or swap a player for him. Yeah, I'm not sure. Now I'm not sure. Uh, You know, he's a guy that I think would have, you know, appeal to Joe Douglas. Like I wouldn't be shocked. Just like have a veteran guy there. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, during the offseason, they traded Wendell for a swap of, a of like, a backup. Uh, well, the Jets what did, position the Jets did, they did just resign Powell, so. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty comparable yeah. players. Uh, but, I mean, I like, it wouldn't shock me if Wendell Smallwood got swapped for a, for a backup safety from there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Yeah, I thought he did not. There's something with these West Virginia guys that I feel like there's a disconnect between the front office and, and the coaching staff. Rasul Douglas is, at worst, the third best corner on this roster. Maybe even better than that. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. at worst, he's yeah. the third best corner. It's it's like Avante, Darby, and him. Yeah. And then I think Sydney. Um, and he can actually stay healthy, whereas Darby hasn't in his career. So, right. Yeah. So, like... He's really good. Put the guy in the field. And the coaches have actually complimented him without being asked, like, specifically about and him, which he, they never do. He's physically improved himself, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. tremendously. Yeah, he had a whole Instagram post about that. Um, and the dude wants it. Like, he's, ang- like, he's got, a, he's got like, the hungry dog, like, mentality. Um, but, yeah, Sheldon Gibson and, and Wendell Smallwood just kind of seem like they're there. They're like you. T- they're well, that's kind of been Smallwood's career with the Eagles because I think everybody's cut him from their fifty-three man roster the last three years, and he still makes it. So. Well, he he he's always like the two of them are always like the bottom five of the fifty-three. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like you're always wondering like when's this going to happen? Like Sheldon Gibson got benched for week seventeen against the Redskins, a very important game. They they didn't play him as everybody was dying around him, and instead they chose to sign Marcus Wheaton, Jordan Matthews, Kamar Aiken, Kamar Aiken, like all these scrubs off the waiver wire. I mean, it's just like off the street. I should say. At what point do you realize, like, yeah, I know he was a draft pick, but like, and he looked you, pretty good in the preseason. You I cut, thought, you cut Blank Countess. Yeah, years ago. Oh, he's another guy that I would say if we wanted to throw stock that down. Yeah, yeah, completely unnoticeable. Yeah, um, I didn't he notice was him injured. A time. He was injured um, like one or two of the days. Yeah, one of the two of the days, but like, just 
He's serving DeAndre a, Hall outplayed him. He does have an actual like role on special teams yeah. already. He's clearly going to be the personal which protector. Which is why he's more likely to make it than Hall. I mean, Still. people people don't understand how important the personal protector is. Like, you've got to be very smart. You've got to be yeah. very sound. You got to know what you're doing. Uh, you got to know that special teams like the back of your hand. I think he's a guy that um, is going to benefit from special teams in a way that I think hurts other players. Yeah. All right. Um, going off that a little bit. If so, if roster cutdowns were tomorrow. And just based on everything we saw over the last month, who is somebody that would be a surprise cut? I'll tell you mine. I had Clayton Thorson, if 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 it was happening right now. Yeah. Just based, I mean like, he's he the, doesn't look like an NFL player right now, and that's a val- like every roster spot is valuable on this team because everybody they have is so good. I um, would not be shocked if he hit his hand on a helmet during training camp and yeah, got, but I'm yeah. saying like if the, if like if roster cutdowns were tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Also, read my feature on maybe him even, next maybe week. Bla- maybe Blake <laughs> Countess would be another one, honestly. Uh, yeah. yeah, Blake Countess. It's not really I a surprise, I guess. Yeah, uh, here I'll try to make it a little bit more exciting. More exciting, Matt Pryor. Yeah, that's a good one. Matt kind Pryor of assumes would, he's making it. Yeah, yeah, Matt Pryor is a guy that I had off my. Um, I mean, I guess Wendell Smallwood, but then I guess nobody would be surprised. But Matt Pryor would be the guy to me that I think... Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Pryor, um, just... I it, I know it's offensive line, it's, it's minicamp, but he's just... like It's like he doesn't... He, it's like they didn't even put him in position to compete with Big V for that right guard spot. Now, maybe that tra- changes in training camp, but like... That says something to me. You didn't play him all of last year at all. Like, he dressed for one game. He didn't even see the field. Yeah. And you had Chance Warmack out there. You know what I mean? So I, I think Forever that, baffling. Yeah, I think that that's... Uh, well, you got to get your money's worth. He hasn't uh, been signed by anybody, though, by the way. So yeah. it clearly was like a Stalin. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely Just let him stick around. Thing, give him, yeah. Let's give him a couple minutes. I can't and... wait for them to re-sign him like, oh in a couple God. of weeks. Oh, it's it's going to be so funny. That wouldn't be surprising, honestly. It uh, wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's got a lot of experience. That's what they he, say. That's, he, a, that's the funny thing. That, like you, Everybody points to experience with guys like that. There are a lot of guys like that in the league. But just because it's experience doesn't mean it's a good experience. <laughs> the best is when they say he's a winner. Because he's he re- been on winning teams. Because he is a winner. He's a three-time national champion and a former Super Bowl winner. Whereas Zach Brown has never been on a winning team before. <laughs> right. He's the new um, London Fletcher. Or no, no. London, yeah, London Fletcher. Yeah, he, for a while he had him. I think he made the playoffs no, for the Redskins for the first time or something. No, that was the Pro Bowl. That was the Pro Bowl. Oh, uh, it was the Pro Bowl. Uh, here, I'll give you one. Paul Wor- uh Not Paul. Paul you have Paul, him on your mind. Paul Pizlesny. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Bills and Jaguars or something. His last year with was the Jaguars. A good one, yeah. yeah, when they went to the AFC Championship cool. game. Yeah, um, it was pretty cool. It's kind of like it's kind of like a different version of a Brent Selleck type thing where he he was on good teams his whole career but just never won the Super Bowl and then he finally did. The yeah. Um, so you mentioned this. So give me a grade for Carson Wentz and Nate Sudfeld from so the spring. I, I did this on my final story of spring. So let's see what you got. I mean, you and I have talked about Carson like nonstop. So I'll, I'll be quick with this. I would give him an A minus. Yeah, I went B plus, leaning towards A minus. Yeah, like, while he had like flashes of greatness, it wasn't like perfect. You don't expect him to be perfect, but. right? He wasn't perfect, um, but I think what you get out of this, especially with Nelson Aguilar being sidelined for the mini camp and Alshon Jeffrey sitting out of OTAs, him and Deshaun Jackson, whew, man, it's legit. Dear Lord, um, 
I don't think I've ever seen a, a quarterback and a wide receiver connect that quickly in five years. Not of since the Carson NFL. Wentz and Mark and Michelle have two. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, he's no Mark and Michelle, but uh, yeah, I mean, his he's going to attack the field deep this year, and I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, we haven't even mentioned him yeah, in this podcast. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I was going to talk about him earlier, but yeah, he he was a big, major standout. Yeah, I mean, throw, tossing to him, he's he's moving the ball around. He's not afraid to throw to other targets. There was that one day where Deshaun, Alshon, and, uh, Aguilar. and Aguilar were out, and he basically was running with, like, Mark and Michelle, Charles Johnson, and Greg Ward. Yeah. And he was a little hesitant, but... Look, I think he he looks healthy. He's looked quick in the pocket. He's looked quick, uh, you know, running the outside. I think he's in really good shape. He looks very confident. I think the weight loss has helped him a little bit with his agility. Um, And I think, you know, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. And then Sudfeld, I think I had him as C-. minus. We've talked about him a bit on the podcast during OTAs. I think think this is a topic that does need to really be talked about. Yeah, yeah. I think... You don't have the perspective. One of the other, one of the things we're going to wrap up with was like, what's the reason for optimism? What's a cause for concern going forward? And just spoiler, I think Sudfeld is my cause for concern going forward because you you need a quarterback you can rely on. It's too early to panic. Like I've said that in all my columns I do after every practice. Like he hasn't looked good, but it's also important to remember a few things. As in the backup offensive line has been there, he's getting pressured almost every play. It seems like he's not going with like the number one receivers. Like, that's all a factor. But he also has been indecisive, pretty inaccurate, and they haven't really th- had him throwing it down the field, which is weird because I thought that was supposed to be one of his strengths, but maybe they don't feel like it is. I don't know. Because he didn't really throw it down the field very much. So from an outside perspective, maybe they're trying to improve his short yeah, and yeah, intermediate yeah. range. Uh, because Kessler's even thrown it downfield for <laughs> whatever reason. For all, like, 20 yards yeah. you can reach. <laughs> um, yeah. So here's what I'll say. A lot of there's a lot of people that like love hated Nick Foles. Like there was fa- there were fans that really loved Carson Wentz and were happy to win a Super Bowl, obviously, and were happy with Nick Foles' success and the team's success, but really felt like Nick Foles was overrated or he was overachieving or doing whatever. Nick Foles is eons better than Nate Sudfeld. Uh, it's not even close. By the way, Nick Foles was a bad practice player too. Yes, way. correct. Uh, that said. You also look at the intangibles. Nick had been around the league. He had started, like, you know, tons of games. He had broken all these records. He was a high-variance player. We've seen what he... Nate's coming in with, like, pretty much a blank slate. And I think that's what kind of ups your concern. It's like the Eagles have invested a lot in him from a development standpoint. His salary is pretty lofty for a guy who's played never played yeah yeah i mean i mean he's played but he's not really yeah i think he's thrown 28 passes like 26 passes i want to say um so that's concerning that said he does serious he does seem to have a very large command of the offense his teammates seem to really like him good athleticism he's got good yes um that's to that in camp I don't know if I would call him an elite prospect, but uh, he he is a guy that has a lot of the tools that you look for. The issue for me is you wonder if he's Mike Kafka or somebody of that – or Trent Edwards. So Doug Peterson's future offensive coordinator? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah well, basically, but that's <laughs> – no, but like my my issue with him is Kafka had a lot of the tools. 
and it just didn't work. Uh, just I'm giving you names that are based on on Eagles guys, so you, if you you don't follow the rest of the league, you, you understand. But there are guys out there that have every Blake Bortles had every single tool in the toolbox, like yeah. every single one. The problem is they were marred with, you know, faulty equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that when you look at Nate Sudfeld, if Carson Wentz goes down this year, don't get ready for a miracle. Like, it, it's not going to happen. Can he win two games if, if Carson Wentz is out for four games? He can be A.J. Feely, basically. Yeah, you need him to be A.J. Feely, basically, which I think he can be. Yeah. I do have a lot of concerns that, that they did not bring in, like, a le- not like a legit... Yeah, they they're not pushing him. Yeah. Like he's running. We should say he is running away with this backup job. Well, like, the other guys have already been even worse than him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's the wrong way to, for you to win a backup yeah. job. Typically, when you have a young kid, Nick Foles. You brought up being a bad practice player. Nick Foles' rookie year, he was incredible in the preseason. Incredible. Like he was good. Uh, everything at a training camp. I mean, he was getting beat out by Mike Kafka, and then he got the, the preseason and was awesome. Um, and that kind of started like the Nick Foles like hype train uh, behind Mike Vick when they were losing and yeah. they had that horrible season. So I'm not seeing that from Nate Sudfeld right now. He's had really good preseasons in the past. Maybe he is just a bad practice player. I'm looking forward to seeing the pads go on. Obviously, he can't be hit, but I think the physicality of the offensive line and being able make to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can wrap on this. Uh, who do you have as your offensive and defensive MVP from OTA's minicamp? Offensive MVPs, Dallas Goddard, run away with it. Yeah. Um, Unless you want to pick Carson Wentz, but yeah. Yeah. Dallas Goddard was going to be my choice. Dallas Goddard. So we agree I think, on that. I think so the, guy, I think the players in the locker room would would <laughs> agree with that, too. He, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about him plenty this spring. Yeah. He, I mean. He can be a top 10 tight end this year, and he's a number two tight end. If I'm Zach Ertz and I want a contract extension, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, he doesn't have any leverage Yeah, anymore. there's no. As long as Goddard is healthy. Which I think speaks to the way how he builds rosters. Yeah, right? I mean, he always has, like, the backup plan there. Right. You look at uh, Josh Sweat was, was signed or was drafted a year earlier than Long and Bennett leaving. Like, yeah. that's smart. I mean, then you have Andre Dillard now. You have... You know, JJ or Siegel could be viewed as like the protege for Malcolm Jenkins. JJ or Siegel Whiteside is clearly the Alshon for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he might be ready sooner than later to take over for him. <laughs> yeah, to the point where, like, when we interviewed Alshon Jeffrey, he didn't really elaborate yeah, very much. Really, <laughs> Mike Stock just wiped his butt on the floor as yeah. we were recording. Yeah, um, <laughs> this this podcast is brought to you by Carpet Cleaner, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. There are guys that are put in place. Isaac Samalu is probably the long-term center once Jason Kelsey yeah. retires. Uh, you know, I mean, they've brought in these dudes. Kevin I mean, Kevin Wilkins, if he can stick around, could eventually he, get in Even the in theory, Mylotta is like the replacement for a Vitae. Like, right. he, like they're developing him to be the swing tackle guy. Like they're even developing for the important backup. Like that's how it right. happens. And if... If Lane Johnson goes down, maybe he's the the right tackle yeah. of the future. So I mean, Lane's going to be turned 30 soon, so... Mm-hmm. Hey, that's not old. I know. Um, it's, it's funny how you talk about 
like ages in sports. Like once a guy gets to 35, he's crazy old. But in, in like the real world, that's like super young. It's funny you say that. So from the locker room, we were interviewing Charles Johnson, and I think Dave Zingaro goes, "You know, you're you're an older player." And he goes, <laughs> "Yeah, but I'm not old. I'm only 30." He's like, "Yeah, but for football." <laughs> and like Charles Johnson just like kind of blinked and was like, "Huh?" It is funny how that works. <laughs> okay, I, so, I've always thought about that. But then uh, defensive MVP, I have from the same draft class. I have Avante. Yeah, Avante. Yeah, we agree on that. I mean, I think... It's, I mean, that, that trade cool. is looking better and better <laughs> as it goes on. I mean, if you They really... both showed flashes of this, especially Avante last year, but in camp, like, Avante's just been all over the place, man. And they've been putting him all over... Yeah, it looks like he, like, they're going to... In the base package, when it's two corners, he's the starter, and then when they have three, he moves He's in. outside, is what he Yeah, that's say. what I'm saying. Yeah, he's outside, and then they move him in when they have a third one, and Cindy Jones came in. Like, I, I found that... Like, they did that enough times where it seems like that's the direction they'll go. Yeah, and there's a lot of good teams that have done that in the past where, you know, the corners will move around yeah. based on matchup. Uh, also think it helps that Malcolm Jenkins is there. Can I add one more category to your thing? Because there's something yeah. that we have not talked about that I think we definitely need to talk about. What's your biggest question mark entering training camp? Biggest question mark? I'll start with mine. All right, go ahead. Miles Sanders. Yeah, that was going to be uh, Miles Sanders to me having that hamstring injury. He's going to have a huge role in this offense if he is balling in training camp. And he got a lot of mental reps during. Man, during D- Doug said something interesting about that. He said uh, when they asked somebody asked if he was going to be a part of the offense right away. And he's like, we're going to we're going to get him worked in in training camp and make sure that he's ready to take on that role. So he kind of needs to earn that. And he's been out this whole spring and that's not good. Well, and, and on top of that, you got Corey Clement, who hasn't performed yeah. either. So they're kind of on the same even playing field. If Corey Clement can have a breakout training camp, maybe he's the number two guy for the beginning of the thing. It's possible. I, I feel like a lot of people like kind of jumped the gun on Miles Sanders, like realizing, you know, hey, he, he is extremely talented, but he was also a one-year wonder at yeah. Penn State. Yeah, I've been so. saying everybody keeps forgetting that Jordan Howard like has been a workhorse back, and he's going to be the number one guy to start out. Like, for sure. That's how it's going to go. I got into a lot of debates with fantasy football uh, experts over that and I just if you read the tea leaves clearly Jordan Howe when when a running back's if going to be a free agent and he's capable of carrying the load typically teams want to run that guy yeah, to the ground because it doesn't want to impact them in the future right I think it's messed up but that's the way it is now Jordan Howard could have a great year Miles Sanders could fall on his face and then they re-sign him to a two-year deal yeah, I mean if Howard's great then you keep him yeah, yeah I mean I, I think this is a real legitimate tryout we brought up the natural progression uh, of how he's roster building my, he brings in Miles Sanders, who's going to be the heir apparent to Jordan Howard. Um, but yeah, Miles Sanders, we need to see something quick with this guy because you don't want him to fall into, into the Tony Hunt, um, you know, area where it's like, oh man, he doesn't get a good start to his his rookie season, and his rookie season's All kind time. of a wash. And you know, maybe he's a you know a two hundred and fifty yard two touchdown guy in his first year. That's not a positive return for the highest. Drafted running back in the last 10 years. Yeah, I agree. Well, my concern was going to be Nate Sudfeld, honestly. And we already talked about that plenty, I would say. Um. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Nate Sudfeld anymore? Um, but okay, yeah. But to, just to wrap it up, um, like how, how, where do you feel? How do you feel about like where this team's at heading into the offseason? I, I'm, I feel more up. Like, even just like their de- the demeanor, it feels more like the team from 2017 than last year. Um, this, yeah, like it was, it was a, it was like an. I know Doug has denied that there was like complacency, but I think there was like a level of it a little bit. Not maybe not maybe that's not the right word. There was more like, yeah, we're, I mean we're good. We we know what we're doing. 
Yeah, Lane Johnson said last year was a humbling experience for yeah. a lot of that locker room. And this uh, is a different. And Doug's message, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, everything matters. Everything matters, which I think is a good message actually, because that that like emphasizes like you can't skip the little things because the little things is kind of like like we would have those post game podcasts and we would go through like three or four plays that if one of them were different they would win the game. So yeah, they can't have those this year. Um, I think that this is a team that's go- has one of on paper one of the deepest rosters I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially least, on offense. Yeah, for this team in particular, I think this team look looks better on paper than the Super Bowl team did. That said, a lot of things have to fall in place. You have to have a lot of luck. We just saw that with the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA Finals. You need some luck here and there. Some bounces going your way, so to speak. You know what I mean? Some guys to die in the other team. like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, poor Clay. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, again, I think I think this team is built to contend. I think they have every reason to feel like they should be contenders. I think they will be in the playoffs this year. We'll see what they can do from there. But I think this is the best team in the NFC East. I don't think it's close. From a talent perspective, they just need to execute. I think the Cowboys, for all the trash that they're given by Eagles fans, they execute relatively well. Um Wow, and that's that's our cue to probably wrap <laughs> this up. It was an eight hundred number. I don't know. Oh what that no, was. <laughs> but uh, um, it might be Nate Sudfeld's people trying to. Hey, why are you, why are you talking crap? Yeah. So um, again, I think this team is set to contend, and and if all goes well, and injuries kind of, if they can stay healthy, this is going to be the top team in the NFC. I think. I agree. It's it's going to be between the Saints and the like on paper. It's the Saints or Eagles because mm-hmm. the Saints still have. They had the continuity also of everybody being back and all that. Right. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll end on that note. Thanks for listening. That kind of wraps up the spring. We're, we're still going to bring you podcasts throughout the summer. We're not, like, sure exactly how that schedule is going to work and all that, but once we – I mean, we'll be sending them out. You can follow us on Twitter. Read all of our content, nj.com slash eagles. Leave us some comments, write reviews, subscribe, and thanks for listening. Guys.